Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. The best place to find great talent for your hiring needs is LinkedIn. In fact, 70% of the U.S. workforce is already on LinkedIn. So, for a $50 credit toward your first job post, visit linkedin.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. It's Wednesday, June 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. You made it back from Singapore. I did a couple weeks ago. <laughs> it's hard to hard to crack the lineup of your show. We're we're going to get to uh, your business takeaways from Singapore, but I'll just say right now, I don't think I'd I've ever seen you more messed up from sleep deprivation as I did those first couple of days you were back. Because when you got back, initially I was like, "Oh, hey, let's get you on the podcast." And after like I don't know thirty seconds of talking to you, I just silently thought to myself, "Oh no, I can't, he can't go in the studio. Right. He's he's because he had a lobotomy. Yeah, something that, happened to him. That wouldn't have been funny. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, let's let's start with something that actually got brought up on yesterday's episode with Twitter being tapped to join the S and P five hundred and. Um, there was a listener question about the amount of tech companies in the S and P 500, and and you you and I were going back and forth uh, on this, and um, I'll, I'll let you sort of take it from here. But I, I thought you had sort of an interesting um, spin on sort of how and why we are getting to more technology companies joining the S and P 500. Well, it so it is, and I don't have the data in front of me about how many companies uh, are in the S and P, but I think it's five hundred of the tech sector. Yeah, I'm still still a little bit jet lagged from (laughs) weeks ago, Uh, but I can talk about the earnings and the earnings component. uh, For instance, uh, let's look at uh, 2010. You're a little bit past the. Biggest problems 2008, 2009. And as a component of the SP index, uh, tech companies were making uh, $26 a share. So if you owned a share of the SP index, that's you know, a certain amount of earnings. They were making $26 a share. Um, now they're making about uh, $65, $66 a share. So the earnings of tech in the SP 500 have uh, almost tripled over that time, and for other components, uh, that's out of one hundred and fifty-seven dollars a share. That's what, that's how the S and P is measured. You know, it's it's like twenty-five hundred is the level. If you divide by the earnings per share, one hundred and fifty-seven, that gives you the PE. So it's a not half of the earnings of the S and P five hundred, but getting. Dangerously close to that, uh, and for instance, you know, energy over that period of time um, has gone down, not just as a percentage, but but sort of in total. So uh, it's a bigger part, and part of the reason why the earnings are as good in tech as they are is that they are not compromised by where inflation is right now, which is in. Um, Oil at the moment, and other materials, and uh, and also transportation, which has the component of of oil in the price as well. Uh, The margins are just getting better and better and better on tech. 
uh, as people use more of it and and they sell more product, but they the cost of development is is reasonably close to static. And so the margins for the S&P 500 as a whole have never been higher and that leads the bears um, who have argued uh, some of them consistently that that margins must contract they much must come down over time to their historical norms and the argument from bulls uh, against that is not necessarily the case if tech becomes a bigger and bigger part there are good reasons why um, the the margins as a whole will, will maybe maintain the level they're at today which is at comfortably Above the next highest level, which was last year. Well, and and uh, you know, you look at Costco's report last week. I mean, you, when you talk about the price of oil, Costco in their report last week um, highlighting um, you know the cost, the increasing costs of transportation and the impact on their business. Um, and this is you know, where do you see? That industry going, and, and I'm not referring to Costco. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more along the lines of trucking because I mean there was a story I saw last week about the, what appears to be a a large and growing uh, shortage of long haul truckers in this country, and uh, th- that seems like something that is unsustainable. Well, that is something that the market usually takes care of. Uh, that if there's a shortage of truckers, then the pay for truckers will go up, and you know the industry will find people to do those jobs because supply and demand will meet uh, at some point in the near future. Uh, possibly not the near future. Possibly it's going to take longer than that because of the numbers you see on on the shortage. So it's good times for. Mostly good times for trucking companies. They have to absorb some of this uh, increase in the price of oil. They can't always pass that along, depending on what their contract rates are. Uh, but the cost of transportation is one of the things that Costco noted on the, their margins. Uh, that they are part of it was that they've been more aggressive in pricing and uh, keeping their costs low. And the other part was that they are seeing the cost of transport, and they obviously they have a lot of heavy goods going in and out of that store. So their transportation costs are going up. That's hitting their margins. The uh, trucking, in part, is not only the health of the economy, so that's the good end of it. But uh, for those that like to cite regulations as strangling. You know things, competition, profitability of companies. Uh, one of the things they might would point to right now are the new regulations on uh, the truck driver, the electronic logging devices that are measuring how many hours truckers are driving. And previously, this there have been regulations, but they have been self-reported. You write in a log, and you know it's kept by hand and. Maybe people were cheating. Uh, now, because there's a there's a limit just for safety reasons. It's like, look, we can't have a single trucker. You can't drive 24 hours. Right. You can't drive six days a week. You know, yeah, there are limits on the number of hours that truckers uh, can safely drive, as determined by regulations which were established in the last administration, but are being you know rolled out uh, now, and and they're really only being monitored. Uh, closely as of uh, recently this year. And that is leading to, I was looking at the the national rates um, for uh, 
um, you know what what it costs for the van rate per mile, and it's uh, up to two nineteen uh, this year in May, up from dollar sixty nine last year. So that's twenty seven twenty eight percent increase in the cost of moving things over the last year. So when it and I'm not I'm not a shareholder of any transportation stock or industry. Um, is it safe to assume that there are fewer variables than investors need to weigh when it comes to the rail transportation industry as opposed to the trucking industry? Because you can invest in both. That there are fewer variables in the trucking industry. No, in no. the in the railroad in the rail industry. Uh, possibly because you don't have the price of oil being. That's what I was thinking mainly. One of the big problems there, you don't have a shortage of um, you know conductors, as far as I know, in in the rail industry. You can't you can't actually increase capacity in the same way that you can increase trucking capacity. Uh, also, I don't think uh, Amazon is looking to get into the rail transportation business just yet, whereas they seem to be. Sniffing around the trucking industry. Sniffing around, yeah. Well, I, that uh, Amazon has mostly been very good. You know, they're putting a lot of things. People are moving things directly to the house, and a lot of places are getting better and having to spend more money to increase their online uh, the capacity and where to store things when they're uh, being bought online and then shipped to the stores to be picked up in the stores and this is creating logistics opportunities, uh, which uh, XPO Logistics being one of the companies that's benefited from all of that and is something that we own in in the funds, couple of the funds. Uh, so it's it's been good news for a number of companies. It's not so good news for the Costco's of the world. On the other hand, the economy is doing very well, and Costco's same store sales are up huge, so that mitigates the the margin story for them. Uh, last thing on this, and then we'll move on. Um, there's a trucking company publicly traded called Knight Swift. The ticker symbol is KNX. Uh, last night, shares were up around five percent because they had announced a share buyback. That that has come down since then. It's it's right now the stock is sort of flat to ever so slightly below the Mendoza line. Uh, are we going to see a backlash on stock buybacks? I mean, this was something that came up at uh, at Fool Fest last week. Uh, our friend and colleague Bill Mann was talking about this. I mean, you and I have talked about stock buybacks before. It. Uh, and I'm not even sure I know what I mean when I say, "Are we going to see a backlash?" But at like, it, it that, that makes two of us. Well, I had no idea where you were going with that. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, all things being equal, over the last say eight to ten years, um, just for the lifetime that we've been doing this podcast. So let's just go back to 2011. All things being equal, Company X announces share buybacks, and the average response. From the media, from investors, from the standpoint of the stock, all things being equal, it's either neutral to positive. And I'm wondering if, because all of these companies are getting all of this money from the recent tax break, that if we're going to see maybe even a louder drumbeat, whether it's in the financial media, whether it's from actual investors or institutional investors at uh, sort of agitating 
at board meetings, at annual meetings, wherever it is, if we're going to start to see a little bit of a pushback of like, really, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to spend money on buybacks? Because a lot of you are not very good at this. Well, I think that so night spiked up pre-market in the first couple of minutes of the day. Maybe on that news, their buyback they hadn't really used since at least September the any of the previous share buyback authorization that they had. They night merged with Swift to create Night Swift. And so they they've been spending money on building up the fleet. Uh, and I would assume that that is going to be a right now a principal use of any of their money, and that the excess cash goes more toward that. It's a cyclical business, though, so you don't want to you don't want to overdo it. And you know, right now there have been a lot of buybacks fueled largely by the tax cut because the tax cut was of such a size you would. Actually, want companies to do something, even if you're a fan of. I think companies are just going to go out and build up their business and and hire people. Ten uh, percent more money lying around all of a sudden. You you don't just in, increase your workforce by ten percent or pay people ten percent more just because. Um, you you. That'd you, be nice, though. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, they've, they've if they're going to do something intelligent with the capital, buying back their shares is one of the things that they can do. And and uh, I think I don't think there's going to be any reaction to it. I think that it's a story that those that oppose the tax cut and uh, are going to say this is what it's going to be used for. See, I told you so. Um, Stories like that just don't get traction for very long. You can bring it up, but it's going to be buried by ten other things in the news immediately. All right. Now that you have regained your sense of sleep balance, how was Singapore? How was Hong Kong? Uh, it was good. Uh, you know, Hong Kong. I went to the CFA Institute conference, annual conference. I haven't been to that one before, uh, and. Largely, the experience was like being at a conference anywhere else. When you're in a huge conference center, there was a nicer view outside of the conference center windows than, say, in Chicago or Philadelphia or any number of other places where you and I have been to conferences. But when you're in one of those places, you're you're in a conference center. You're not in any place in the world other than the hellish zone that is conference centers. <laughs> You know, I mean, as hellish zones go, it, it was probably pretty cushy. Um, I, it might be boring. It, it, it had this nice view, you know. And I mean, I'm not saying the conference itself was was hell, but the uh, the conference centers themselves are not things that people go and visit for fun. Um, that's true. That's all I'm there saying. There aren't tour buses pulling up like, look, it's the Hong Kong <laughs> Conference Center. Uh, the content of the conference was was pretty good. Um, like any conference, you go to some uh, presentations that are worth more than others, uh, and uh, I, I had a good time uh, being back in Hong Kong. It was the first time I'd been there in about 20, 25 years. Can't remember. Without naming names, were there any? Dave. <laughs> were there any? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, Dave. Sorry, Dave. We're about to throw you under the bus. All of you. Um, were there any presentations where you're sitting in the audience and you just you're 
you have to actively stop yourself from standing up and saying, "This is you're you're an idiot." <laughs> what like what you're the the investing thesis you're putting forward is nonsense. It's utter nonsense. Does that ever go on? Uh, or is it all just sort of no, like, no, no? Because it's pretty eggheady, you know. I mean, it's not like um, choose your financial media outlet of choice. Perhaps it's market foolery. I don't know. Where somebody just blathers on about something that popped into their head. That sounds like <laughs> that very much sounds like this show. <laughs> and people sometimes just leave that and yeah. start yelling at their their radio or their car or, yeah. or you know. Stop it, you people! Yeah, get to the damn point. Uh, no, this is a bore, eggheady, and and you are much more likely to fall asleep than to, uh, especially given the jet lag, uh, than to shout out. You don't know what you're talking about. Fair enough. Um, we got uh, some very nice suggestions from listeners. We have the best listeners. We got some very nice suggestions from people that I forwarded on to you uh, about Singapore in particular. So I don't know if you had a chance to. Um, get out and enjoy Singapore a little bit more. It sounded like you were at least going to have a slightly elevated opportunity to do that in Singapore as opposed to Hong Kong. Yeah, it was a different conference in Singapore. It was a uh, Deutsche Bank sponsored conference, and I got there for some of the um, side trips uh, following the main part of the conference, uh, which were well done. Thank you to Deutsche Bank. And um, I had a little bit more free time, um, and one of the things that I, the only sort of real touristy thing that I went to go do, uh, I put to toward the end of my last day there, and it was called the Cloud Forest, and it was a big sort of indoor rainforest thing, uh, which I got to and paid for, and then uh, waited in line, and then uh, the line to actually take the elevator up to the top, and then you would walk down. Um, was like a 75-minute wait, which I had not budgeted. I had not budgeted 75 minutes of waiting in a line to begin seeing this thing. I had I had budgeted, I think, 45 minutes to do the whole thing, oh. something like that. So, I went there and I paid, uh, but I didn't get to see really much of anything. Wow, so you made a donation to the Cloud Forest Foundation. That was nice of you. I don't think you get a tax write-off for being stupid, but... Really? I was thinking about it. Uh, so um, that was the tor- most touristy thing. Uh, other than that, I-, I did get to walk around Marina Bay, which was uh, mentioned, highlighted, and and that was great. But uh, part of my experience in both Hong Kong and Singapore is that these days, uh, at least in the business world, uh, there's a lot more in common with with where you're from and what those places are today in terms of the stores that you see. And the the way that people are living their lives than um, the last time I had been there, which was a couple decades ago, uh, or just going to other parts of of this country, which feel much more like going to a, you know a, a very very different life than going to major foreign foreign capitals feels. All right, hold that thought for one second. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to hire someone, but uh, it's hard. It's not easy. Um, but it doesn't have to be hard with LinkedIn, because LinkedIn is more than the world's largest professional network. It's also a better way to find great talent. And we were talking earlier about the state of the U.S. economy and uh, the job market out there. And um, it's almost like there's never been a more important time for LinkedIn. Seventy percent of the U.S. workforce is already on LinkedIn, and businesses rate LinkedIn jobs 40 percent higher than job boards at delivering 
quality candidates. Just ask any of the hundreds of thousands of businesses who have posted to LinkedIn Jobs over the past year. 22 million professionals view and apply to jobs on LinkedIn every week in every industry, even yours, even mine, and Bill's. So, if you're not using LinkedIn for your hiring needs, you're missing out. And we're going to try and help you uh, kick the tires on it. Go to LinkedIn.com slash fool. Get a $50 credit toward your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash fool for your $50 credit today. Terms and conditions apply. Before we move on to your next trip. Before I allow you to do that, oh, okay. can I, this is not going to be mocking you. Okay. Perhaps, but the intro that uh, the hiring uh, and we'll just plug LinkedIn's name here again. Just, yeah, uh, that it's hard, it's not easy. This reminded me of one of the famous lines from my youth, where uh, the the principal of the school. Uh, this was following like the third or fourth grade orchestra, and he he came up to deliver some remarks, and and one of the ones that he felt was most important to deliver was, "Hard work isn't easy." <laughs> And that was kind of a go-to phrase in our house after ever ever after. Hard work is hard work is not easy. Yeah, it's it's kind of built into the first two words That's there. That's one of the things you got to teach third, fourth graders and and their parents. Um, let's go back to Singapore before we get to your next trip. Um, so, in in terms of businesses, um, in terms of investing ideas in general. Did either retail or the payment industry come into play here? Because I'm I'm curious about uh, the war on cash, and I'm wondering if like I'm assuming that in, in both Singapore and Hong Kong, um, the war on cash is alive and well, um, and that retail as a result of that is also alive and well. Uh, yeah, I never used cash in Singapore. I had to get. Cash. I didn't have to get cash in Hong Kong, but I thought I had to at one point and could have gotten around it. But I ended up getting, I don't know, eighty dollars of cash or something, and using that for a cab. Um, there was yeah, there was like one cab company that didn't take credit cards, which seemed outrageous to me because <laughs> I'm used to how dare you not touching cash when I travel now. Uh, so yes, the war the war is all, and it, it's actually it's much more complete. Um, in Singapore, they there were various. Um, uh, I think Alipay was was one of the things that was being promoted by the cab. Like we take Alipay or we prefer it, and to give them a credit card. This is the war on credit cards is the next step. Um, that uh, people there there would be like an eight percent surcharge. For using a credit card uh, in the cab, damn, they're just not going to absorb those costs, and and they're going to treat themselves to a little bit extra, apparently, because it, it's not eight percent that the credit cards are inflicting on their on their vendors. So there, uh, I, I did get a taste that there was a lot more uh, non credit card uh, transactions going on there than uh, than here so far. I mean, for the most part, you you see people. Starbucks has gotten a little bit ahead of the game, um, but not that many other places where I feel that they've done a good job of, of promoting the idea of, of using their app to pay or using Apple Pay or, or any of the other things that I think ultimately are going to um, change the credit card industry. Uh, real quick before we wrap up, because uh, our time in the studio is almost up and Christine Hargis is going to be taping 
the healthcare edition of Industry Focus, which I have to assume is just going to be a much better episode than what you and I are just about to complete. How could it not be? <laughs> it's a low bar. It would be sad if it weren't. And Christine is going to clear it by a country mile. Uh, your next trip, you're going, you're going back to New Zealand. I think you were there just last year or the year before. I've been commuting. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, another conference? No. This is uh, in uh, celebration of my daughter who's graduating and um, just going on a big family trip. Nice. Summer trip. Nice. To so, New Zealand, which so, is not like a summer trip because it's winter there. So, if people email marketfoolery at fool.com with suggestions, you may actually be able to take advantage of them in New Zealand. Yes. Yes. And uh, they probably know much more about New Zealand, although I've been putting my homework in recently. But uh, there's so many things to see how, you know. How do you decide? Here's a tip, and I've never been to New Zealand, but here's my tip: uh, try not to pay for things that you end up not doing. What are you referring to? <laughs> I'm just saying, if it's just you alone, yeah, you feel a little stupid. Maybe if you do that if with you the whole family times five, yeah, that's yeah. going to be more expensive, uh, and you're never going to hear the end of it. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks Bill Barker from Motley Fool Asset Management. Thanks for being here. Thank you. You can read more from Bill and his colleagues. Go to foolfunds.com and sign up for declarations. It is the free monthly newsletter from Motley Fool Asset Management. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>